Today is January 3rd, 2021, and this is episode number 37 of Blurred Laws and Life with me, your host, Richard Bush. Yes, this is the first episode of the new year, 2021, and I want to wish everyone out there in Blurred Laws and Life land a very happy new year, and I hope 2021 is an absolutely wonderful year for everyone. And for those who had a very difficult 2020, I hope that 2021 opens a new chapter, a new page, and uh, hopefully 2021 is much better for everyone. I'm going to begin this first episode of 2021 by noting two glaring omissions from episodes that we did way back in 2020, one of which was just a week or two ago. So first, I mentioned on the Christmas Eve episode, I wanted to thank our guests who appeared on Blurred Laws in Life, but I did it off the top of my head and on reflection and looking back, and I can't believe it that I did this, but I missed thanking several guests who were instrumental in Blurred Laws in Life in 2020 and to whom I owe incredible gratitude and thanks, and I did not want to miss thanking them. So of those guests that I did mention, I neglected to mention the great Steve Kipner, who uh, wrote many hit songs, including Physical by Olivia Newton-John and Jeannie in a Bottle, performed by Christina Aguilera. Andrew Frampton, a very good friend and client who was an executive in the music business. David Hill, who created Fox Sports and is instrumental in many of the technological things we take for granted while watching sports. A true visionary who uh, I was very thankful to have on the show. My good friend and client, Joel Martin, and my good friend and client, Martin Harrington. Joel Martin, of course, is one of the people who discovered Eminem, and Martin Harrington is a terrific songwriter in his own right who wrote the song Amazing, and who I represented in a case against Ed Sheeran and Johnny McDade for the alleged copying of Amazing in the song Photograph, and Martin is now credited as a writer on Photograph, along with uh, his co-writer Tom Leonard. So I just want to thank all of them for appearing on Blurred Laws in Life. They're uh, all incredible people, have had amazing careers, and I did not want to slight them by neglecting to thank them when I listed those that I was thanking for appearing on Blurred Laws and Life. Now with the other glaring omission. As those of you who listen to Blurred Laws and Life know, we balance several different topics uh, each week. We talk entertainment, we talk music, we talk songwriting, we talk current events, and of course we have a legal discussion each week with cases in the news, cases that I have litigated myself, just a whole potpourri of subjects. One of the subjects we addressed 
in 2020 with my guests, some of the great songwriters that I've had on the show. We discussed who in their minds were some of the greatest songwriters of all time. Of course, we also discussed whether lyrics or melody um, was the most important part of a song, but we did discuss who were some of the greatest songwriters of all time. And I am embarrassed that neither my guests nor myself mentioned the Bee Gees. I was watching a documentary over the holidays about the life of the Bee Gees, and I was surprised, although now on reflection, I don't know why I was surprised, because I have been a big fan of their work, that they actually rank number three, number three, all time for the most Billboard hot number one chart hits. Number three, only the Beatles and the Supremes rank above the Bee Gees for number one ranked hits. Their number one hits include How Deep Is Your Love, Night Fever from Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive from Saturday Night Fever, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, Jive Talkin', Too Much Heaven, You Should Be Dancing, Tragedy, and Love You Inside Out. They also rank in the top 10 with many, many more songs, not just those that they performed themselves, but that they wrote for other artists. And watching the documentary of the Bee Gees, you all should watch it. It is incredibly inspiring and also tragic due to the loss that they suffered. As many of you know, there's only one remaining alive Bee Gee, Barry Gibb. Both of uh, the other two members of the Bee Gees, Robin and Maurice, uh, passed away. And their younger brother, Andy Gibb, who had a solo career, died of a drug overdose at a very young age. So the story is, uh, is tragic, but it's also incredibly inspiring because the Bee Gees began performing actually in the 1960s. And while they had some success by the early 1970s, literally their record label was about ready to drop them when they had a complete resurrection. They changed, they became much more of a soul group, much more upbeat. Um, of course, when disco hit, they were the predominant disco act. And then, of course, with Saturday Night Fever, um, they went to another level. But they never gave up, and they had many ups and downs. And you all should watch the documentary because it really is inspiring, and it shows just how difficult the life of a songwriter and entertainer is how close you can come to failure, to being dropped by your record label, and then through perseverance shoot to enormous success. It's a lesson that everyone can take in their own lives and their own careers. But I was truly inspired by it. And um, 
now looking back on the career of the Bee Gees and looking at all of their number one hit songs, they most definitely deserve to be ranked among the greatest songwriters and performers of all time. And I will tell you that after I watched the Bee Gees documentary, the next day I began, you know, listening on my headphones while I was working out, um, while I was walking around um, to the Bee Gees songs. And I found myself, and I defy any of you out there, I defy any of you out there not to find yourself walking like John Travolta at the beginning of Saturday Night Fever or like the Bee Gees at the beginning of their video when you're listening to Staying Alive. I found myself walking, I was walking somewhere and I had my Beats headphones on and I was listening to the beginning of Staying Alive and I found myself walking like John Travolta does at the beginning of Staying Alive and I defy any of you, any of you, not to do that while listening to that amazing song. So I cannot believe that in listing my guests and the omissions that were made in the last episode, I neglected to mention the great, the wonderful, the legendary Donna Deverona, who was so gracious to come on and talk about her life time quest for equality, not just for women's equality in sports, but for racial equality. And I think mentioning Donna here is a perfect segue given her work for equal rights for all Americans, both women and racial equality, to transition now to the legal discussion this week, more of a current events perhaps discussion this week on blurred laws in life, given what we all just witnessed in Washington, D.C. yesterday, which is a clue that the first part of this episode of Blurred Laws in Life was recorded prior to uh, the 6th, but this portion is now being recorded on the day after there was a siege on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., in scenes that we may never, will never forget. So with that, let's move on to the next segment in this episode of Blurred Laws and Life. One of the great things about this podcast, if I do say so myself, is that this year has been historical as far as the legal issues in this country, not just copyright infringement cases, not just intellectual property cases, but litigation that has been brought by and against the sitting president of the United States, the horrific police brutality episodes we've all witnessed that resulted in criminal indictments in some cases and not in others 
which has been quite controversial. And I have to say that for one reason, and really one reason only, I personally will be sad to see President Trump go on January 20th because the grist for the mill that he has brought to blurred laws in life, the never-ending litigation, the attempt to subvert the will of the people in the presidential election has provided incredible ammunition and subject matter for blurred laws in life. I've said many times that I do not want this to be a political show because obviously this country is divided. And the point of this podcast is not to incite anyone or to make anyone feel uncomfortable given their political uh, opinions. However, after what I have seen over the last 24 hours, I don't know of any American citizen who can rightfully say that they have ever seen a president of the United States act in the manner that we have seen, not just in the last day or so, but in the days leading up to the siege that took place in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill in the last 24 hours. He has incited people. He has spread false statements about fraudulent elections. And he actually supported in Twitter posts the storming of the Capitol by the people who laid siege on Washington, D.C. yesterday. I don't think anyone could ever imagine that happening. Now, the events that led up to yesterday, the legal events that led up to yesterday, are also very important because it is this constant barrage. I've talked about it in prior episodes of Blur Laws in Life. I've mentioned that we live in an Orwellian society where we are victims of misinformation and doublespeak and this continued hammering of a fraudulent election. This is why we have a court system. This is why we have separation of powers. So people can't just say things. They can't just say this was a fraudulent election. They can't just say that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. You have to prove it up. That is what we have courts of law for. And Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump have been spreading these allegations of fraud. But as we've gone over in prior episodes of Blurred Laws in Life, when it came time for them to prove it up, not only could they not, but they did not. They specifically said in these court hearings, these court proceedings that we've spoken about, that these cases were not about fraud. It was about challenging the guidelines. It was about challenging the rules that states had in place for things like absentee ballots. Not that they were fraudulent, just that they didn't like the rules, but they waited until after the election to raise it. But people these days blindly believe, apparently, what they see and what they hear without regard to the facts. I have very educated friends who actually believe that this was a fraudulent election. But when they are pushed 
to explain why, they obviously can't, because you have to prove things up. That's what we have courts of law to do. Now, it wasn't just bad enough that we were victims of this campaign to pollute our minds into believing this was a fraudulent election. So when those court cases failed, did Donald Trump give up? No. What he next did was have his people file a lawsuit in which they asked a judge to declare that Vice President Pence could reject the electoral count, reject the votes of the American people when Congress met to count the electoral votes and declare Donald Trump the president. That's right. He asked a court or he had one of his flunkies file a lawsuit naming Pence literally as a defendant in which he asked the court to say that Pence, Vice President Pence, could reject the Electoral College votes and name him president. You can't make this stuff up. Luckily, a federal judge, as I said, this country is the greatest in the world because we do have separation of powers. A federal judge rejected that lawsuit. The court did not actually reach the merits, but said that the plaintiff in the case lacked standing to raise the issue, and the case was dismissed. So at that point, did Mr. Trump give up? No. He then went to social media and went to Republican GOP senators and congressmen and said on social media that Vice President Pence should nonetheless reject the Electoral College votes and declare him president when Congress met on January 6th. He also solicited senators and congressmen to say they would object to electoral college votes and would not agree to certify Joe Biden as president of the United States. He had lined up 11 or 12 senators to do so. He continued bombarding social media with these allegations of fraud, saying that this election was stolen from not only him, but from, quote-unquote, us, meaning his constituents, and prevailed upon them to march to Washington, D.C. on January 6th to protest and interfere with the meeting of Congress in which the electoral votes would be counted and Joe Biden recertified as president of the United States. And of course, we witnessed yesterday literally this siege on Washington, D.C., this sedition, this attack on this country, on our democracy. How in the world the Capitol Police were not prepared for this? How in the world the Capitol Police allowed these people to storm Congress and get into the Capitol building? That's a question for another day, but I can say this. We talked about, on Blurred Laws in Life, actions of police brutality. Uh, we had on the show, in addition to Donna Deverona, who I forgot to mention and omitted mentioning, the great Donna Deverona, who I hope will forgive me and 
who I um, mentioned earlier in the show. We had on the show also Brian Leslie, a former chief of police who um, now acts as an expert witness and is thoroughly knowledgeable on both racism within police forces and the soliciting of false confessions by pressuring those that are arrested and may not have the wherewithal to have legal representation or good legal representation. But with that in mind, I have to also say that the difference between how these protesters on Capitol Hill were treated by the Capitol Police, basically let into the Capitol, versus how the protesters of George Floyd and others who were victims of police brutality were treated, shot, tear gas, rubber bullets, is striking. This is not what this country is all about. This is not the United States of America. And as I said, I don't like this show to be political. Um, I prefer just to stick to the legal issues. I prefer to discuss entertainment issues and intellectual property issues. I prefer to discuss cases and how they are analyzed. But I would be remiss if I did not address what I saw this anarchy in the streets supported unbelievably by the president of the United States that we saw yesterday. And by the way, since yesterday, I have been reading about those on the Democratic side and even those on the Republican side and even business leaders who have previously supported President Trump asking that the cabinet invoke the 25th Amendment. And the 25th Amendment gives the cabinet the power to remove the president of the United States if he's unable to fulfill his obligations, if he has issues that prevent him mentally or medically from fulfilling his obligations as president of the United States. And the acts that took place yesterday were nothing short of sedition to subvert the democratic process. You could call it an attempt at a coup, if you like. But I have read that those in power are now considering invoking the 25th Amendment. Probably won't happen. We've got two weeks to go until January 20th. So it does not look like that will happen. I don't think it will. But certainly there is a discussion of it. Now, since this is Blurred Laws and Life, I have to also mention one other thing about those that stormed Capitol Hill yesterday. They might think... They like the attention. They might think it's cool to protest in D.C. and then storm Capitol Hill. But guess what? This may come with 20 years in prison. According to various sources and legal experts on the issue of sedition, the Capitol building breach is, quote-unquote, almost textbook sedition. These people who made their way past barricades, broke in through windows, and sent U.S. representatives into hiding during this session of debate over election certification may face the most serious crimes one can imagine. It's something I'm sure they did not contemplate before they made their way to Washington, D.C. According to two professors, two law professors at Western Michigan 
University Cooley Law School, they believe that these protesters should be and will be charged with sedition. And this is what the charge of sedition is under the law. Quote, if two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. The phrase, quote, delay the execution of the law is key because that is clearly what these people who had stormed Capitol Hill were trying to do. They were trying to delay the execution of the law, making Joe Biden the next president of the United States. Devin Schindler, a law professor, said as follows, quote, for at least some of these protesters, particularly the ones that broke into the Capitol, I think there's an extraordinarily strong case that they used force to delay, to hinder the execution of our laws governing the election and how electoral votes are counted. It seems fairly clear to me, based on what we're seeing, that folks are in fact almost textbook violating this seditious conspiracy statute by using force to interfere with the lawful government activity. End quote. They might not think it's so funny to be on CNN or so cool to be on CNN if they get charged, as it seems like they should with sedition. Obviously, these are serious issues, something I never thought I would see, but we saw it, and I felt the need to have to address it on this episode of Blurred Laws and Life. Right after I finished uh, recording the podcast, a news flash came across my iPad on cue that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have banned Donald Trump indefinitely from using Facebook. Zuckerberg said, quote, we believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. Therefore, we are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete, period, end quote. This follows, of course, Twitter banning Trump from tweeting based upon his instigation of sedition and the riots at Capitol Hill yesterday. Following up on these events... Donald Trump's own Attorney General Barr issued a statement saying that Mr. Trump's behavior over the last two days betrayed the office of the President of the United States of America. I don't think really anything else has to be said about the events of the last few weeks. It is a stain on this country, but there is one person who has benefited from it, I think, and that is incoming President 
elect Joe Biden, and I am sure he's strutting around Capitol Hill like John Travolta at the beginning of Saturday Night Fever. Everyone have a good week, and I look forward to speaking to you next week on Blurred Laws and Life.